It's Hump Day. I'm Dooner. That's Michael Vincent, the dude. Welcome hey. to the show. Welcome, everybody. It's a beautiful summer day here in Chattanooga. I just realized that I said spring day on Monday, and it was not spring on Monday. Yeah, it you was notice summer. the shirt. Nice summer flow going on. Nice summer glow. Amen, brother. Yeah. How are you doing? Hey, Prime Day. Prime Day just happened. Two days of big Amazon sales. The only thing I got on there was a uh, gift card because you got $10 free if you bought the, the gift card. Oh, yeah. The $40 deal. Early results are in, though. Early results are in. Prime, the average Prime Day order, and at first this might sound bad, it's down to $47.14 per buy, mm. down from $54.64 on wow. Prime Day 2020 and $58.91 on Prime Day 2019. Um, but does that mean that it's bad? Yeah, right? what's with the bad trends, man? What's going on? Well, let's take a look at the growth here. Let's take a look at this growth chart of what's been going on on Prime Day. And as Ooh. you can see, even though the price per order basket has been shrinking, Prime Day has still been growing. Right. Yeah. And I think this year we just saw they're projecting what, 19, 20 percent growth total for Prime Day. Well, Forbes was estimating about 19. Right. 19%. Last year was like a 48 percent year over year. But you can I mean, going over last year, it's going to be a heck of a feat. Right. So 19 percent is kind of huge, really, actually, after you look at not that. terrible. You know what most people bought on there? What? No. Just Amazon devices. Oh, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. yeah well, that's what Prime Day is. Right. It's yeah. mostly Amazon stuff. And then the other stuff starts to come after that. Hey, we're going to get to Bill Driggert from Uber Freight in just a minute. But first, I I just want to shine a light on some safety here. Our friends over at Brown Dog Carriers, Daniel Purdy, he posts this video on LinkedIn of this truck that's driving down the road. And check this out. They're they're going down the highway here, and uh, someone loses a load of metal. It looks like metal bars or rebob or something. It's going to fly up in just a second here. There we go. Look at that stuff right through the windshield. There Ooh, you that's go. Not good. Yeah, that's some final destination kind of stuff. Thankfully, the driver was lucky it hit the front of him, but that could have gone right through a windshield and, you know, oh, like a spear just pierced your heart like a vampire, Michael Vincent. Good thing he wasn't wearing 3D glasses. That'd have been scary. Yeah. Well, I talked to Daniel Party when he posted this from Brown Dog Carriers, and I yeah. invited him on, and he's going to bring a bunch of dash cam photo for us to go over highway safety in July. So stay tuned for that one. Oh, thanks that'll to- be excellent. Yeah. Thanks again, Daniel, for sharing that video for us. Again, always keep your eyes on the road. This is why they always tell you not to look down to text. Not to look down. We had that one guest on. He looked down, flipped over the cassette. A cassette Flipped tape. over the cassette. Cassette Got into tape. It has impacted him and, and the victims in that crash years later. Again, drive safe out there. But hey, let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partners through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell Them, dude. Oh, man. Go to newlegendinc.com right after the show. Nice. And today we're going to get, a, instead of a new segment, we're going to get a market update on what's going on on digital freight platforms from Bill Driggers, co-founder, head of operations over at Uber Freight. Hey, Billy, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, morning, gentlemen. How's it going? Nice. Where are you? <laughs> what's it be here? Are you in your uh, your studio back there? Yeah. It, are you seeing a green screen? Or are you seeing the... Uh... I see... Nice. Um, oh, wait, I is see, that a green screen? Uh, who's in the window Dooner, behind you? You got a picture of me and Dooner on the wall back there. <laughs> who's, who's looking in the window? Is that Jimmy? Yeah, it's Jimmy. <laughs> we got Jimmy looking in the window. Dude, how many cats How many cats do you have, Bill? <laughs> I, knew you, I didn't know you were a cat guy. <laughs> Hey Bill, I, <laughs> Bill, I, I love I love the backdrop. It's fantastic. I want to believe that's really your room. Um, tell us a little <laughs> bit about though. Uh, tell us a little bit about drivers right now. So Uber freight platform, labor shortage, driver shortage. Can't, it's hard to get asses in seats right now. What are you seeing from your perspective? 
Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, seeing a very interesting shift in capacity in the market. And there's there's two data sources we look at, BLS, uh, just driver employment, as well as FMCSA new registrations. And what's in, what the interesting trend is happening on the new registration side, where we've seen the rate of new registrations actually increased over 2x uh, since rates started to increase in 2020. And for us, uh, that's huge because that's actually, for, for digital platforms, that's really the sweet spot is those small carriers, the owner operators, uh, the, those empowered kind of frontline uh, drivers that can just download the app, hit a button and, and, and book a load. And we've surveyed our signups. So we, we go after that segment when we see a new new carrier sign up, we'll give them a call and say, hey, would you like to sign up for Uber Freight? And that process, we've surveyed them. And it's with, uh, with almost no exception, it's almost all lease drivers and company drivers who are shifting to uh, owner-operators, small carriers, uh, getting their authority, starting a carrier. Uh, I think there's three things we've seen drive that. One is high rates. So uh, drivers see that there's an opportunity, and so they're jumping into the market um, and getting their authority. Two, uh, we were seeing a slow response by carriers to actually uh, adjust to the market realities in the sense that Wage rates have gone up. We've seen hourly wage rates since 2019 to 2020 went up over 22% nationwide. I think the the narrative around the difficulty of finding good quality uh, hourly labor is, is well known at this point. And carers are not always quick to respond because ultimately there's uncertainty, right? The overarching story is uncertainty. Nobody knows what's going to happen in six months. And you don't want to make decisions that are going to lock you in on a higher wage rate uh, if you don't know if the market's going to correct. Uh, but the third, uh, I do think that there's a significant secular shift we're seeing in the market where us and others are making freight more accessible. So a owner-operator starting today has so many more options than they did five years ago in terms of just access to freight, finding loads at a click of a button. Uh, that just did not happen five years ago. So, so yeah, it's a very, very interesting time uh, in the on the supply side, the other interesting question is: uh, there doesn't seem to be consensus if capacity is actually at or down still from where it was in 2019. We yeah. know demand is high, uh, but the capacity side, between the combination of new registrations and drivers, are coming back to the market, but uh, it's it's still unclear. Yeah, I think you could. Couldn't you put like a, a three A underneath there? And and now they have with with all this stuff, you have an ability for a better quality of life as an owner operator because you have this access, like you like the Uber freights provide that type of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a big objective of ours since we started to actually make the market better for owner operators and more accessible. And I do think us and others, we've seen this just shift in how the market operates. Uh, and if I'm an owner operator entering today, I have a lot more options. I have come like we offer. Discounts, fuel discounts, insurance, a whole package of, mm -hmm. of benefits uh, for the new carriers. So it's hey, definitely a good time to enter. Hey, Bill, for the first time, Uber has looked into uh, platform data accumulated over the past year, and you've published a quarterly insights report in April. Let's get into that a bit. First of all, tell us where the platform data comes from and what can we glean from this insights? Yes, we are a data-hungry company. Uh, I always think of us as a learning organization. So we look for data wherever we can get it. So uh, there's direct surveys that we do with our carriers and our shippers. We have advisory boards where we get anecdotal and direct feedback. Uh, we also have our own market data. So what happens with our market in terms of pricing and uh, supply and how it moves around. Uh, and then we're also just looking for external data sources. So uh, it, we're a very data-hungry company, and we pull data from wherever we can get it. 
That's excellent stuff. So what, what did you see over the past year here? Like, you know, we had the winter storm, uh, URI, we had uh, the pandemic market changes, mm-hmm. uh, stimulus checks, et cetera. Have you seen any trends through that data? Yeah, absolutely. So on the demand, so we talked about the supply side, but the demand side is still elevated. And what we saw is a surge in retail spending when, when the stimulus checks uh, first hit of about 8%. Uh, at the same time, we initially saw some drop in contract rates and there was some correction. But then when URI hit, uh, we just saw an incredible compression of the market mm-hmm. uh, and low ratios spiked to the levels that they uh, you know, hadn't in, in 10 years. Um, and that and then after that, uh, we've seen a, a, a fairly, uh, I'd say, flat market. So what's we, we started to see a little bit of softness in retail spending, but it's still up significantly year over year. But what we're not seeing is quite the same level of spike going into the peak that we would in a typical year, in the sense that we're seeing some retail, we, we've seen some early signals of retail softening during a period where we typically see a significant tightening in the market. Bill, by the way, so Craig Fuller, he tweeted yesterday about how capacity is your some game. You yeah. Use it or you lose it. And he was telling the story about how when he was a kid, he remembered driving around with Max, his, his dad around the U.S. Express lot, and how angry Max would get when he saw trucks that weren't utilized. Yeah. Well, uh, Bill, I interviewed uh, Tim Henry from Hall uh, last week. It's going to be on Insiders this week. He told me to say hi to you, by the way. But uh, what they do is they, they put drivers in those unutilized trucks. So that's super cool. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Very now, cool. I know that there's some awesome stuff coming up on the horizon for Uber. We're going to have you back very soon and very shortly. But in the meantime, people who want to keep abreast of what's going on with Uber Freight, what should we tell them to look at? Yeah, we we continue to deploy new products. And so this year has has been no exception in terms of just the pace of new products to market. Some of the things that have come to market recently, we've made some improvements to our, our bundles. And so to the utilization question, one way that we can enable that with small carriers is to just keep them moving. We found that we we can bundle freight together much more effectively than if I'm just manually trying to pick loads and uh, predict where capacity or where loads might be. And so that's something that we've seen grow over 10x in the last year within our own network. Is this, uh, it's it's scheduling your your week or a couple of days with multiple loads. Uh, so that's something that we've deployed. We also launched our shipper platform in Canada. So very excited about what we're doing in Canada. Canada uh, has not had the same pace of technology development as the U.S. And so our shipper platform is the tool by which shippers can log in, get an instant quote, find capacity, and uh, solve their shipping needs in a very much more easy, uh, friendly, uh, effortless way. And then uh, and the last piece... Was- and a polite Sorry, way. Yeah, I said, and polite. And a polite, polite way. way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last, is, uh, <laughs> the last is uh, bulk upload. So uh, our shipper platform was really targeted towards small shippers initially, and we continue to build out capabilities of that for the midsize shippers that might want to load 50, 50 loads at the same time. So for us, our product suite, it's, it's always had a heavy focus on taking effort out for for small to mid-sized shippers. And then we have direct integrations with big shippers. And on the carrier side, we started with those small carriers. We continue to find a, a sweet spot with those small carriers with tools like bundling, just build out the capabilities with those small carriers to make it easier. And again, one more thing that makes the market easier, more attractive, more accessible for small carriers. Excellent stuff. Wheel, oh, send we got to send them to the wheel. Send them to the Stupid wheel question. Spin the wheel, make All the right. deal. Where it lands, no oh, one wait, knows. Wait, here we All go. Right, All, right. All right, Bill. 
The Foo Fighters are covering several Bee Gees tunes on their upcoming album, okay, my friend, which is really exciting. And they're going to be calling themselves the DGs after David Grohl's name uh, initials, right? The DGs instead of the Bee Gees. If it were your choice, Bill, what band would you choose to cover ABBA? Ooh. Oh, uh, I'd love to hear um, a Slayer. Have a cover. Slayer. Yes. <laughs> nice. Raining disco. Nice pick. Disco balls. <laughs> Bill Trigger, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Good I stuff. You know, the tough market. There was a story that came out last week. FedEx Freight, they had to cut 1,400 customers due to all this volatility. They had to protect the service for the customers they have. Yeah. Things kind of go awry. They have walked that back because supply chain so interconnected that uh, by in doing so, they hurt some of their biggest shippers, Lowe's, who yeah, had partnerships right. with some of these other 1,400 carriers that were pulling for them. Yeah. So you move, you, know, you can't just move one toothpick from this house of uh, toothpicks or I don't know, do people make houses of toothpicks? I don't even know. Uh, I'll drop the announcement. Anyway, Robert Moffitt's here is the EVP and Director of Operations at New Legend, Inc., and he's going to tell us how to maintain relationships in this volatile market, which is becoming increasingly difficult. Robert, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Good morning, guys. So what do you, what do you make of that, that FedEx news? I mean, that seems like an extreme circumstance we heard last year. You know, you go, we got too much freight, but here's the problem. We got to preserve the, our existing relationships, so we have to make some cuts. But the problem is, in such an interconnected world— Butterfly flaps its wings in uh, in Memphis. It starts to impact the whole supply chain. How does New Legend manage these relationships in this market? I think first uh, for Legend, we uh, basically have a good core piece of business with all of our customers, and we're trying to engineer our lanes that help each one of our customers, either if it's a head haul or a back haul, to make sure that we're you know giving a fair share to everybody. Um, and I think the biggest piece with that is communication and having uh, extreme important conversations with each one of the people that we deal with as far as our customers and making sure that they understand that we're trying to engineer lanes that are going to help us on both sides. Because if one customer can help us, that would be great. If it's something that it's, I'll I'll call it a Lowe's truck that's going north and it's going to come south, then Basically, they're, they're using that truck in its total utilization, and they have a good understanding that they're using it in the, in the network. So at the end of the day, I think that's the biggest piece is communication, making sure that we're communicating with the customers, trying to figure out ways to uh, engineer the things so that we have that utilization and they see that utilization with each one of the customers. And it's hard. I'll say this. It is very hard to tell your customer that I can't provide you with capacity today when I see capacity as being very high where we need to provide more service. But if there isn't enough people out there to uh, basically pull the equipment because of driver shortages, right? Um, that's, I think that's the biggest piece that's driving a lot of these things in conversations so that we can stay in front of that. Uh, excellent, excellent answer. Actually, actually, that 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 uh, is a lot of really good advice on how to manage these types of things and some things that you would think that FedEx would really do that it seems like maybe they didn't, right? Because you, know, you're looking at these things, but they had to cut so many out of it, 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 it was bound to have that butterfly effect. 
it sounds like you got a handle on how to manage these things. You've had to had a lot of challenges, though, especially over this past this this year as well. Like you said, sourcing drivers. You've got uh, extreme demand still going on. Hard to get more capacity into there. What are your biggest challenges? Is it that managing those uh, existing customers' expectations as business grows and volumes grows, or has it been something else? What's your biggest challenge been? So I'm going to say, from the standpoint of uh, customers. I see every bid that comes across. We price it. We look at it. We we put things together. We have conversations, um, and you know we truly drill down on the things we need to. And then the customer comes back and says, "We need you to do all this." And we look at it and we have to say, "I'm. I, I know we bid it out, but right now I've got five drivers in that network right now, and I can't do 35 loads a week, right? So so what do we do?" You know, we, we talk to them. We say, well, we're continuing to hire drivers every day, things that we're trying to get accomplished, right? Um, and with the drivers that they're coming to work, you know, they want cream loads. So if a company driver comes to work, I think that's some of the things that we're dealing with today is they don't want to be stuck at a ship or getting loaded. They don't, mm-hmm. then, they, then they lose hours of service and then they go to deliver the load and they're losing time there. You know, in a business model for transportation, you know, a trucking company wants to get the availability of being able to service the customers that are going to give them the drops and drops, that they're going to be able to manage their warehouse time, because that's truly what it boils down to. Because anytime that you have to live load a truck, you've got to have labor at the warehouse to make that make that happen. When you're delivering a live load, you've got to have that labor at the warehouse for it to deliver. Right. So any delays in any of that, any, any delays in that when you're delivering or picking up, that's creating a havoc in the network. And I'll say this would be what I would say. I don't think shippers want to pay for detention. Yeah. In the big picture. So what's the solution? You know, and we're all trying to figure that out. And the best way I look at it is this. There's a cost to move the truck and there's a cost to load and unload it. If we can save costs somewhere like in a warehouse on two sides because we're able to drop and they're able to manage, I think that's where the win is on transportation in the current market. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned these these long dwell times at, at shippers' docks. Is that something in a tight market like this you, is being that you're highly scrutinizing now and you're looking at and making decisions and strategizing based on who to service because of data like that? Yes, very much. I mean, we looked at something yesterday and we were doing some loads for a customer, and then the customer came back to us and said, we'd like you to do more volume. Then we went back into the system and looked, and the average unload time is six and a half hours, and wow. we have to deliver live. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe not such business you want to really grow <laughs> there, but don't you, I mean, so Robert, you, don't you think, I mean, that transparency and over-communication, well, not over-communication, but when we say over-communication, it's really not, it's what's necessary. Yeah. The transparency and the data and the tracking and the communication it could, uh, I mean, that alleviates that, right? I mean, you, you've got a delivery time, you're going to be on time, they can schedule the, the proper workforce. Is that part of the issue that that is there is there's not enough visibility in between where the loads are and what's moving, and how do you guys uh, handle that for the visibility for us i mean with all the integrations that we have in the system the shipper knows them when when they're going to get their loads at least the true customers that we have they have true visibility i mean in our tms that we have you know we 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 have our own uh edi piece that sends x6s out and all that stuff and some customers don't look at that you know if they're 
really using a third party like, you know, Forkites or uh, Micropoint or uh, Project 44 or, you know, multitudes of other pieces that are in, that are integrated into our system, they're seeing visibility with that also. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of visibility to the loads being in transit, where they're at, what's going on. Those are, those are communication pieces. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot more communication that's going on where somebody is not sending an email. They're actually picking up the phone and saying, okay, you've got an eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, I just want to make confirm, even though they're, they might be on four kites and they can see that in their system. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a double whammy with as far as communication comes and everything that's happening. You know, there's multiple people making sure because some of these shipments that are getting shipped, they say they're not critical, but they are. Let's let you end on a high note. Take a victory lap really quick. What was the biggest win during the spring? What's that again? What was the biggest win during the spring? So what are you either most proud of or what was the biggest accomplishment over on your side over the spring? Wow. Biggest accomplishment Um, that we're continuing to. I'll say that for us, the biggest win is we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to support customers. We're continuing to, you know, uh, build a brand that that we have out here. Everything that we're trying to do, we're trying to convey that to the customer so we can continue to uh, keep a city growth. Love it. Well, hey, everyone, as you, as, you, as you heard in the read earlier, you want to learn more, go to newlegendinc.com. Talk to that great team over there. They're going to do whatever they can. That, Of course, that is realistic to help in this tough market. You're going to talk to a great team, and you can trust they're going to do the best for you. Once again, thanks for your time today. Can I add one more thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to make a pitch for drivers. Do it. I just want to say this. We're a great company to work for. I think we're very competitive in the market. And if you're looking for a great job or someplace that you could lay your hat and know that you could work and continue to make a good steady income, Legends is the place for you to land. Please Absolutely. call us. At, wait, we'll give you a little cab too. 855-210-2300. Beautiful. We love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, for, thanks again for your time today. Take care. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's even Elon Musk was out is out there recruiting. He's on Twitter. Oh, yeah, trying I to saw that. Everybody in this market talk about labor. And yeah. usually in this context, it's about drivers. Now we're talking about we need brokers. We need warehouse hands. We need pilots for the airplanes. We need everybody inside and out the organization. You should hear that out there. Listen to this. Opportunity abounds. You don't like where you are. You don't like your circumstance. There's an amazing opportunity to go ahead and change that. An amazing absolutely. opportunity this year seize it don't sit on it don't yeah. sit on it if you i've been in jobs you've been, you been in one of those jobs you ever been in one of those jobs Reach where it. you want to you've been like i hate coming in here but yeah, it's daily absolutely and I can do it sure don't sit around on that toxic thing don't let that stew go in your brain seize it by the throat and go out there and get a new gig you can do it we believe in you all right let's take a look at this so uh, we're talking about uh drivers getting drivers on demand but what about getting fuel on demand let's take a look at this video from Bu- from booster fuels cute little purple truck driving on the highway i was very curious about it and when i found out what they do which is bring the gas station to people i just decided i can do that too Technology is a very vital role in what I do. As a customer, you can just open up your phone, open up the app, order gas by dropping a pin, and the technology that we use allows me to then see that pin. Once I'm done giving that person a boost, then everybody's happy. 
The technology in the trucks allows me to cut down the number of things that I need to do manually in the fueling process, which helps me focus on the things I want to focus on. Sustainability, what it means to me is doing my part on the planet. Our whole fleet is carbon neutral, and so every boost that I do saves 1.4 pounds of CO2. When I am doing my boost every day, I feel valuable to the planet, and I feel wonderful knowing that I'm giving time back to booster customers because I have a son and I know what it's like to miss your family, and me giving you a boost is helping with that. My name is Janae Spain, and I'm a service professional at Booster Fuels. Wow, fascinating stuff. So our guest now is Austin Briggs. He's VP of Sales and Marketing at Booster Fuels, and he is also he is also the Paco Award winning uh, water polo player from Santa Clara. He's got a Paco Award. Uh, He's got the Paco. Now, for those who don't know, we we are uh, water polo aficionados. Yeah, we are avid water Uh, polo fans. But Austin, what is a Paco Award? Oh man, you you dug deep in that LinkedIn profile. I, I respect that. Uh, so it, it, it is an award. It, it's the only award for uh, that's nominated by your teammates for the most inspirational player. It's named after a, a fallen teammate from from the team. So uh, I'm surprised you even know what water polo is out here in California. It is, it is quite large, but uh, I appreciate that that curveball. We call it spring hockey uh, in the Northeast. Yeah, well, we're both very well traveled, so we both did some time in Southern California. Oh, not, yeah. not together. Well, we, not, didn't we didn't, do, didn't, water polo we didn't actually do time. But, well, yes. We, yeah, <laughs> we're over at, uh, Let's yeah. clarify yeah. that. So, uh, so, so in most inspirational player, though, so just tell me really quick, how do you inspire your team? And, you know, let's turn this into a business message. How have you brought that into the business world? It's like, yeah, great question. So I, going back to, to the water polo, I think it's it's a lot of it is servant leadership, right? So being able to uh, to roll up your sleeves. And if in the sales world, being able to talk the talk, walk the walk, and be able to talk about our customer, be able to talk about what we want to do, but also set the vision, right? I, I, going back to college water polo, I was the captain of the team. And when the, the, the when you have wins, it's really easy to be motivated. Uh, but when you have seasons that you're losing, you got to make sure you pick up the team and, and let them know why we're working so hard, what we're growing. And I actually think it's, it's really applicable to, to Booster, right? We were a growing company. We're, we're only, you know, five, six years old. Uh, we're just getting started. And we are always out here proving ourselves, not just to our customers, but to to the talent. And and I know there was a, a recruiting call, uh, shout out there, like we are, we are also always recruiting, always getting more folks uh, to hopefully inspire them to, to grow throughout their career, right? So uh, we heard from Janae, which is a service pro, uh, I love to tell the service pro stories. We have service pros growing through our company from pumping fuel and driving and, and doing routes to our one of our top sales reps started as a, as a service pro. Uh, one of our engineers started as a service pro. So we really want to inspire folks to really go above beyond really achieve excellence in their current role and, and grow on. So uh, it, it's been a, it's been a wild ride at Booster and, and throughout life. But it, 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 I love that you're, you're bringing that up. Thank you for that. Yeah, it, it's very, very cool. Um, can you uh, just tell us a little bit more? What, tell us about the booster fuels. You guys are delivering gas to drivers. You bringing me a slushy and, and, and a roller <laughs> dog with that? or, or uh, how, So how, do, how does the it petrol work? Petrol ice cream, man. Yeah, yeah. How does it work? I need yeah. some, I need some uh, pumpkin seeds, a, uh, a Slim Jim, and, and four gallons of gas. 
How's yeah, it work? So we, we can we can handle the gas. We we, okay. we can hand we haven't figured out the convenience store aspect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, so we we start we started uh, five five six years ago, right? So in 2015, uh, Frank, our fearless leader, had this crazy idea to eliminate the errand of going and getting fuel for consumers. So we started. Uh, he designed a tanker that literally takes fuel directly from the terminal and can legally and compliantly bring it to your F-150, your Toyota Corolla, whatever you drive. And so for the first couple of years of this business, we were focused on consumers while we're at work, while we're uh, you know, in retail locations, fueling up so you never have to worry about it. It was app-based. Um, and while we were doing that, uh, one of our corporate, com- uh, corporate uh, customers had a fleet. They had a fleet of, of sprinter vans that were shuttling their employees in our campus. And, and they reached out to the two co-founders and said, look, this is great for our consumers. We love it, but we need this for our fleet. We have our fleet driving 1.2 mm-hmm. miles off campus. Their dwell time is at least 30 minutes. Uh, and that's not just fueling. And it's burning tires and it's burning wear and tear. Can mm-hmm. you guys overnight fuel our, our fleet? And so at the time, we were a daytime business. And as everybody in this, this call knows, running a 24-hour operation, quite Quite difficult. It's a different. Uh, it's a different thing to bite off. And so we tested it. Um, and Tyler and and the co-founders tested the fleet. And it's been off to the races ever since. Um, you know, we we are we are delivering gas, diesel, DEF. We're now getting into renewable diesel. Um, all the while, also continuing our consumer side of the business. Uh, so we now are fully 24 hours during the day. If you're at work, we'll, we'll come fill you up. And then at at night, while your fleet is asleep. We'll take that completely off your plate. And, and now we've grown into a tech company as well. Um, so we, we have a lot of technology that Janae talked about for our drivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the logistics of delivering the right fuel to the right vehicle at the right time, not, not easy, right? And then being able to show our customers really transparently, here's exactly how much fuel you got. Here's where it came from. Here was the price. Uh, because people really, really care about what is going into their vehicle, especially in fleets. Now, right? awesome. we, let, we cannot afford. Yeah, let's ahead. talk. Let's talk about how this works. So, before we get into the fleets, um, yeah. just for regular consumers here. So, I'm citizen Dooner. Like, I got my car at my house. What do I? I download yeah. the app. Uh, maybe I ran out of gas, or if I don't. I'm working from home. I don't feel like going to get away from the computer and go and pick up gas. Like, w- how does it work? Yes. So, we we only operate on private property. Okay. So I'll tell you two reasons why. One is the logistics and the density. We need to know, we know that we need our driver to be able to get X number of vehicles filled during her shift, right? So we have chosen strategically to work on private property. So private property could be your place of work, so your corporate campus. It could be a retail location, right? We are, we're doing retail locations. And then it also could be large condo complexes, apartments. But if you live on a city street, uh, there's a lot of legalities and compliance from an yeah. air quality and from fire that we didn't want to bite off. And so okay. we really focus on that private property. Sense. Well, that let's pretend sense. then that like that I work, I, what are your partners? So I, I work for Pepsi, right? I work for Pepsi. My car's in the parking lot. What do I do if I, I need gas? Yeah, you simply download the app. You drop a pin. You select you want premium or a regular. Uh, you got If you order before a certain hour of day, uh, it's totally free. If you order in the afternoon, you need a rush. There's a tiny fee. Um, but at the end of the day, we source fuel. We we peg the price of the fuel to the average of the closest three stations to you, so you know exactly what it is. Typically, it's cheaper than what you actually buy. So uh, you download the app. 
while you're at work, our purple tanker will will go make sure your your tank door is popped, and then we will will set you on your way. We have a so natural we'll, question, right? So how do you make money if you don't charge a fee or you charge a nominal fee? Yep, the, the secret sauce is our purple tanker, right? So we designed the tanker to be able to eliminate multiple steps in the supply chain. So by us being able to fill up at the rack in the terminal, we purchase gas at wholesale. Mm-hmm. We don't have storage tanks. We don't have real estate taxes. We don't have real estate overhead. So all of that margin is how we can build profitability while still offering you gas at a competitive price. You're not paying some crazy premium. So it really was the technology and the tanker. And then, of course, the contracts we were able to get with the fuel providers to, to be a sanctioned you know, a partner to, to pull from, from their racks. Yeah, that, that makes sense. The rack spread makes sense. My question is, is, is um, so how, how, how do you determine the, uh, the when, when is the price that I'm paying determined? Is it on a daily basis? And how do you get that information? You said like the three nearest gas stations, whatever. Where are you getting that information from? How, when does that change? Does it change at midnight every day or is it weekly? What is it? Great question. Daily. So we, we have a direct feed for all retail and Opus prices. So mm-hmm. we have, we know, we even in markets we're not in, we know all the retail prices for that day for those stations. And so we set the, the lo- local, the closest three, sorry, closest of local three. Um, and then in the app, if you're really concerned or want to know where the price <laughs> is, you can literally click in and it'll tell you exactly what gas stations it's pulling from all of their prices for all of their products. So you can see exactly what you're buying oh, nice. uh, because price sensitivity is, is really important for us, but also transparency. We yeah. want you to feel like you're getting you know, gouged. Now let's talk about fleets because fleets, if you're talking about large fleets, is that a market for you guys? Because they're doing the same thing. They're buying rack fuel oh, yeah, wholesale costs, right? They have yeah. fuel buyers who care very deeply about that stuff. They monitor it all of the time. So um, what kind of fleets are you targeting and where do you fit in, in that equation? Yeah, the, uh, the the niche that we have found are these, let's call them local and regional fleets that focus on final mile. Yeah, you're right. The, these diesel delivery, diesel wet hosing, it's been here since the you know the beginning of time. And and the forgotten fleets are these fleets that drive locally and go back to a yard at night. Um, think large box retailers, um, you know, that are delivering packages all day. Uh, but they're back at home for six hours at the night. That's a perfect window for us to come in, rip through a couple hundred vehicles. You never have to worry about the gas. All the way down to you know local landscapers. You know when 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 you think about a local landscaper, you kind of forget that they have 30 vehicles in that area. They have equipment. They're sending four people per per F-150 to a job site. Right. That starts to add up. Um, and then everything in between. Uh, we you know the, when the pandemic hit. Uh, one of our biggest partners and one of our greatest partners is a fire state is a fire department, yeah. right? So we have another fleet that traditionally, like, look, we have a lot of downtime, but we don't want to send our our folks and our apparatus to gas stations anymore. We we need to hunker down. Um, ambulance companies, another great window where they are asleep. The fleet's asleep for a couple hours. Um, so I would say that that mid market, upper market, but don't forget about these massive fleets like Mission Linen. Uh, they're they're all over the U.S. Again, they're focused on local routes. That that is great. Over the road, right? You got great fleet cards. We integrate with all of them. But with with those solutions, we we don't want to ta- tackle because there's there's a solution for that. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And some of those people, you know, they have their own on-site tanks, but they don't have to deal with the EPA issues when you guys are there because you got to deal with that spillage <laughs> and stuff like that, right? They don't have to worry about that anymore. You got to deal with the spillage if the guy actually does something. So, talk to me about the uh, the uh, uh, Colonial Pipeline attack. You see any any type of thing? Any panic buying from your customer side, or any issues with supply on your end? So I'll start with the issues on the supply. So we're, we are both lucky and blessed that not one customer in the Southeast and East for us was impacted. A um, couple of reasons why. Uh, one, it is our mini tanker. So our mini tanker, just for the folks to, to, to know, is it carries 1,200 gallons of two products. So it's either premium and unleaded or just all, all once. We have two containers. Um, because our tankers are smaller than the traditional jobber, all of the racks actually allowed us in saying, well, you're not going to take all of the fuel that we have left. You're going to take 1,200 gallons at a time. You also are really small, so you can circumvent the traffic. So we had no, no supply uh, interruptions. On the demand side, we, we got a lot of calls, right? We got a lot of calls from markets that we're not in yet, but we're growing, mm -hmm. saying, hey, I, I never thought about this supply chain problem until now. How can you help? And so that's really, especially in the gas world, again, diesel has been around for forever, but gas delivery is highly regulated, very difficult because the, the largest tank is, you know, do, you know, two dozen gallons in a Suburban or a Ford F-250. And so to make those economics work, very hard. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're lucky and, and our fuel procurement team is A++ to be able to have all those contracts in place that when one contract was, was tapped, we were able to go to you know a different pin number and pull from a different different contract. Wow. So Austin, you went to I don't know if you went to school at the same time, but Gavin Newsom, he also went to Santa Clara. You're in California. You know full well about this push to net zero, the big change that's gonna happen with semis and vehicles in general mm -hmm. to EV and alternative fuels. Is that a space you're servicing as well? Yeah, so the, the, we, like like Janae said, instantly if you use booster, we're we're taking carbon off off your plate. Um, we, we offset all of our gallons that we use for our mini tankers, but we're absolutely moving into, into that realm. So renewable diesel, I will be fully transparent. I'm just learning about this and it's an amazing product. And we now are delivering renewable diesel to the diesel providers, uh, high ethanol, another area that we're getting into and delivering that they can instantly help. Um, and of course we're, we're definitely looking into EV charging. I mean, this is a real logistic problem for fleets of this is great but how do we charge them how do we yeah. build the infrastructure to do so um and then you know they're gonna have mixed fleets i think we we all got to understand that you're gonna have a certain percent of evs a certain percent of gas and a certain percent of diesel as you make this transition uh we we want to be your partner across that entire transition Excellent stuff. Delivering yeah. electrons. This has been awesome. <laughs> awesome. We, we've learned a ton, but before we let you go, we got to spin that wheel. Oh, yeah. We got yeah, to learn, we we learn something stupid. We got to learn. Yeah, we're going to get a wheel of stupid questions coming right at you. Spin the wheel wherever Ooh, it lands. Okay, Nobody here we go. What do you got? All right. Are you ready, Austin? Let's say that you're I'm kidnapped ready. by someone. You're kidnapped by someone, but instead of just killing you, they decide they're going to duel you. and they you, So you get to duel this uh, kidnapper. In any game of your choice, if you lose, they get to kill you. If you win, you get to go free. What's your game of choice? Water polo? <laughs> no, I won't say water polo. One on one, 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 one water polo. Yeah, one on one water polo. 
Um, <laughs> man, that's a great question. I would say, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with chess. I'll oh, go with chess. Wow, the Queen's nice. Gambit over here. He's he gonna get a movie he knows on how that. to do all the moves. He just I like it. I mean, he's not he doesn't want this to be over fast. He wants to add some excitement to it, yeah. some tenseness to it. Well, this. it'll go it'll be two speeds. It'll either be over really quickly or we'll 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 play it out for a long time. Yeah. I well, hey, if you. people are searching for Bobby Fisher, where do we send them to? <laughs> just go to boosterusa.com. Uh, you'll find everything you need to know there. We got a great team ready to answer the calls and answer the emails. And, and I really appreciate you having us on. It's been really great. Thank you. Thanks so Absolutely. much for coming on. Take care. Next time we're in San Quentin, come by and visit us. All right. Dude, yep. dude All right. what would pick you your, Pick your game, what man. You, I'm, what I'm would about you to kill you. you would I? Mario Kart, man. Mario. I will kick okay. your butt. We, we can't Mario. play that right. I would pick Rocks, Paper, Scissors. <laughs> I have only, the only person I've ever lost to Rocks, Paper, Scissors is, is the musician Gary Newman. I'm, I was at a party, and he was there in Huntington Beach. In cars? Inside of cars. You feel safest of all. In Down in the park. <laughs> no kidding. All right. Let's, do you want to try it out, though? Yeah, let's play it. All right. We'll, do, we'll just do out of one. All right. Oh, best of right. one. Yeah. Okay. Right. Ready? Once, twice, three, shoot. But it's a draw. I guess we got a hug. We got to go again. Once, twice, three, shoot. Ah. Look at that. What did I tell you? You'll have All to right. wait till Friday to see me kill Dooner. <laughs> All right. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with their strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and its West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at Tell Em, Dude. Hey, go to newlegendinc.com right hey, after the show. Father's Day just happened. Always love a good fatherhood tale. We're going to hear one now from Connor Miller. He's the COO of Arden X. He started a brokerage with his uh, his own father. Let's bring him up here, find out the Arden X story. Connor, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you got to mm. unmute yourself over there, Connor. Just make a noise when you're unmuted. We'll get right back to you. All right. All right, so I guess we'll do two out of three then. Will we wait for him to get back? Oh, okay, go. so you got one. Once, twice, three, shoot. Once, twice, hey, can you guys three, hear? shoot. Very odd. Oh, all right, we'll one, finish one. out at the end. One, yeah, we one, can hear one. you now, Connor. How's it going, man? Going great. Uh, sorry about the little technical difficulty. Obviously, the show we're talking about has to do with uh, relationships, and technology doesn't seem to be one of my good ones. <laughs> relationship with technology. Man, more you relationship you with know technology. what? Being in business with your dad, uh, for some people, it might be stressful. I remember for Father's Day in 2009, I got my dad and I sailing lessons. We learned to sail in Boston Harbor, and we almost threw each other off the boat a number of times. It can be stressful <laughs> out there uh, on the seas. But you, um, if I understand this correctly, Kevin Hill told me that you and your dad went to therapy and they told you to start a brokerage. Is this true? This story sounds crazy. So um, it's a little, the timeline doesn't necessarily match up on that version of it. So basically <laughs> what happened is my father started a transportation company 20 um, something years ago. I'm 27 now and I took over the business in 2018. Um, there was a lot of things that I recognized within the business that I thought, you know, we could change and, and do better at. Um, most of those had to do with him just being like the old school coach type of uh, leader. And if anyone's familiar with like a Bobby Knight type of person, oh, that boy. was my dad. Oh, um, <laughs> throwing and, chairs around the office. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. And, and I, I you not, I'm serious. Like it, it was that it was that crazy. Um, yeah. So. So I came in um, and I started working for the business in 2015 and pretty much just worked my way up from being in tracking and tracing onto the brokerage into a managerial role and then finally took over the business in 2018. Um, so back in 2019, I was actually going to leave the business and start my own uh, brokerage and separate from my father because him and I were going through a lot of personal issues 
boost um, that was affecting the business tremendously. And um, I had actually been going to therapy for years prior to us going together. And my suggestion to him was, hey, we need to go to therapy or else this isn't going to work and I'm going to have to go start my own thing and disconnect from this. And um, he agreed to go. We started going and um, we actually still go every single week to this day. And it's been about a year now um, since we started going. It pretty much fundamentally changed our relationship as father and son, which in turn affected the business in a positive way because we were actually clicking um, I think one of the biggest things was he was very uh, hesitant to hand over the company, and rightfully so. I understand that with any kind of a father figure who's built something from the ground up, and it's basically their life's work. Um, it can be very hard to turn that over to somebody who you're not sure if they can actually handle that or not. Um, so I think us going to therapy, first of all, was beneficial for the business. It was beneficial for our relationship as well. And then also has basically made us uh, want to implement it into our day-to-day -day, uh, business once we move into our new warehouse with our employees. That is awesome stuff, Connor. First of all, let me applaud you. Maybe a little cowbell sure. for really coming for, for one, for getting the therapy on your own before, two, for having that relationship and you and your father doing this stuff, and three, for coming on and talking about this stuff. We talk about this all the time. And normalizing this stuff, too. Yes. You know, because like therapy and stuff, you well, got a Bobby, now you, you got, got a super machismo guy going around. Yeah. And the older generation it can be looked down upon therapy, you know? Uh, Absolutely. Therapy, I mean, you, you know? feel like less of a human because you got to have therapy. Oh, you got yeah. issues? Oh, 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 you suck them up. Well, no, no. No, no, man. We got to talk about well, this. Well, I'll put it this way. Um, first of all, I realized that one of the biggest things that business leaders should be focusing on today is how to maximize human potential within their employees. Yeah. And that was not something that has been maximized by leaders previous because all they ever focused on was being yelling and, and you need to do this. You need to do that. This is what you're doing wrong. Um, rather than being a coaching figure, most of those people were just bosses, right? So I started to go into therapy four years ago and it pretty much changed everything. I had so much pent up emotions and unresolved trauma that I had no idea how to really deal with. And therapy was my self-discovery. It really helped me work through my issues and discover who I really was as a person. And I know most people out there probably do have this negative preconceived notion about therapy and what it's about. So let me just use this analogy for those who have this misconception. Therapy is like a parent in the situation of a child putting a, to a puzzle together. The child can't seem to get the pieces to fit together, but the child doesn't realize it's because he doesn't even have the right pieces. The therapist is like the parent who gives the child the correct pieces. The therapist isn't doing anything for the child besides pointing out the fact that he doesn't have the right pieces and giving the child the right pieces so he can complete the puzzle. Um, and I think one of the things that uh, I thought about a lot when I started to become healthy in my own, in my life and just in business is that most employees probably can't fork up the expense to go to therapy every single mm -hmm. week. So mm -hmm. frankly, it can become very expensive, right? So like some therapists probably charge upwards of $100, $150 for an hour session. How sustainable is that for an employee making 45K a year with three kids, right? Yeah. It's not very sustainable. So my idea with all that after I thought so much was like, man, my business doesn't even function without all the employees, first of all, and it doesn't function to its fullest potential if those employees aren't mentally healthy. So what can I do as a leader to actually uh, implement something like that that they can use? So what we're going to be doing once we go into our new warehouse space is we're going to be offering an insight or sorry, an on-site therapist two days a week. Um, optional, obviously, I don't want to have anyone feel like they're you know obligated to do this or anything. Um, I want it to be an open thing where people can go if they feel like they need to. And I feel like part of this has to do with us creating a company that is just a judgment-free zone. I mean, we want to see all of our employees grow in their own respect, not just in the business. 
Now, Connor, you bring up some great points there. And, you know, we have, we've had conversations with Andrew Silver from Molo a bunch. Oh, sure. And he himself, as a leader, he offers therapy and yeah. talks about how he himself has gone to therapy for this stuff. And I think that's very important because a lot of people, as you said, it's voluntary. But sometimes people go, oh, therapy is offered. They think they might get stigmatized for going into something like that. Yeah. So having someone sure. up from the top use it will in- not only increase utilization, but hopefully they'll have the, the same um, mental and pro- productivity gains and business gains that you have experienced by entering through that doorway and getting those pieces of the puzzle to put it together. And, and you know, you can see in your growth here, I believe in 2019, you were doing 50 million in sales, 70 million last year, and you're rejecting 120 million this year. Uh, sounds great, right? Yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, I really believe that it's the leader's job to show that it's okay to be, uh, you know, not okay sometimes. Like all of us have things that we've dealt with in our life, and it could be stuff that happened when you were seven years old that you just never dealt with and you compartmentalized in the back of your brain, and it affects you subconsciously and you don't even realize it. So my goal is to create a space where people feel okay with having issues like that because it's just normal. Like it's just every person has that type of thing. And I think that being a leader is the best way to actually display by example how we can become healthy within. That's tremendous. So quickly, Connor, you uh, you stated that uh, uh, or was in an article that you were the number one carrier of COVID-19 tests nationwide. Can wow. you talk about that and so many other things? What are so many other things that you guys haul? Sure. Um, so last year, we've, we've been doing business with UPS um, for a very long time, multiple years, probably seven years at this point. And um, last year, UPS partnered with Abbott Diagnostics to ship a lot of those COVID test kits. And um, naturally, with the type of model we have with 24-7 visibility, we have staff on site, obviously not the same people 24-7, but um, since we're talking about mental health here, (laughs) but we have (laughs) 24-7 availability. Um, We have brokers and dispatchers and account managers that work around the clock. And a lot of those COVID test kits were very last minute and very unorganized at the beginning, naturally, because it's anything to do with the government kind of tends to be that way at first. Um, So basically, the reason why we became the number one carrier with UPS is because of always being available. We were doing upwards of 100 loads every single weekend of these test kits. And um, most of that comes from us having staff work on the weekends as well. So we've realized that in this industry, a lot of our competitions, such as JB Hunt or the bigger brokerages, a lot of them, especially XBO, they didn't work on the weekend, right? We were calling them to try to book loads for our trucks and stuff and getting voicemails. And I'm like, man. Well, this doesn't seem like uh, they're really trying to grow here. So we can capitalize on this. We can have availability more than anyone on the weekend. Um, And that's what we did. Love it. Excellent stuff. Love it. Well, hey, before we let you go, and this has been great, and we'll have to have you back. You've spoke so well and eloquently to this topic, and I really love how you put yourself out there. But you don't get to leave without spinning the wheel of stupid questions. So spin that thing, Michael Vincent. Spin the wheel, wheel make the deal. Where it lands, nobody knows. What do you think he'll get on? Let's find out. Oh, dealer's choice. My okay, choice. dealer's choice. I get to pick this one that right. I will ask you. This is a question I put a poll up on Twitter. It ended up being actually 50-50, which I'm not sure what that says about society. But do you have an <laughs> irrational fear that your barista will serve you decaf when you're ordering regular coffee? No, I don't. And the reason why I don't is because I actually am 10 days coffee-free right Ooh. now. Um, So, yeah, I've realized that coffee has, uh, you know, a massive amount of acidity, almost a thousand times more than tap water, um, and it eats away at the lining of your stomach. So for the past three years, I've drank black coffee with two shots of espresso three times a day. That's a lot of acid, right? So I actually switched over two weeks ago to uh, a substitute called mud water. Now, it's not an advertisement or anything, but I do love the product so far. 
Um, and I would definitely recommend anyone that's dealing with stomach issues related to coffee to pick up some mud water and try it. Yeah, people could have called you an acid-based carrier. Boom, boom. Yeah, All right, <laughs> Where do people go to learn more, man? Where, where, do you got a website? Sure. So you guys can go to our website. It's www.ardentx.co. And uh, if any of you guys want to follow my journey on social media, it's Real Connor Miller. I share a lot of stuff about business. I share a lot of stuff about how to grow in your personal life, personal finance, you know, stuff like that. I want to see anyone that I come in contact to uh, succeed more than they would have if they didn't come in contact to me. Thank you so much. Great goals. Love it. Yeah. Keep seeing the earth, man. I love it. All right. We, we, before we get inside the newsletter, we got to finish up this battle here. We got one more shot. I got to find out if I'm dying or not. It's tied. Two draws. One and one and two draws. So this is yeah. a big one. All right. Is, once, twice, three, shoot. Once, twice, three, shoot. Oh, you got me. There we go. Inside the newsletter. I was looking forward to killing you on air. <laughs> and the champ retains his me. Rochambeau title right here, weighing in at 222 pounds. It's Dooner, Citizen Dooner, <laughs> by the way. Citizen Dooner. Right. Time to go inside the newsletter. Dr. Drage, take a look at this Drage invoice, by the way. I came across this on Reddit. They were all complaining about this invoice that came in. Chicago drayage market is a mess right now, Michael Vincent. You're aware of that? $3,300 to move 59 miles in Chicago from the rail to a a DC location. 900 of that is just a 33% FSC. That's incredible. And then you see all those little 33% FSC? They're they're charging 33% 33 FSC. FSC. Now, for perspective, what is FSC usually? Uh, it's not that. I no. mean, I remember it was like 11 or 10, yeah. but, and that so, was pretty good. Double like, digits was high. We talked about these container rates, these excessive container rates, exorbitant container rates, but BCO shippers, they are over a barrel no matter which way you slice it. Land, sea, air, yeah. drayage. Then once you get on the land, smash, smash, smash. Ultimately, though, the bad thing is we all have to pay for this stuff. Yes, Let's talk do. about rates, though. Let's yeah. take a look at rates right now. Let's bring that chart up all and right, speak to it. What do we got it. here? Oh, yeah, so we got everything here. We got... Uh, we got uh, Seven-day reefer in blue there. We got dry van, I think, in green. Yes, and we have flatbed in orange there. You know, they, they've all been coming down a little bit. Just slow decline since May, except for flatbed. You can see flatbed and then orange just going crazy, right? But they're yeah. relatively flat over the year, except for flatbed. But these are really elevated. I mean, when you're looking they're at it, they're all, yeah. all over No, $3. I'm not saying they're not coming down to, like, normal levels. They've, no. been, they've been kind of a little bit weaker, and that's really due to the fact that, you know, contract rates went up, and so spot rates are not as much pressure, right, as there's a little bit less, and people are getting used to this new kind of crazy norm to coin a, coin a phrase, right? But manufacturing and housing, there's your orange line, there's your effect. Uh, flatbed demand is high and the rates are going up there. You know, there was a narrative going on, right, that the voracious appetite of consumers would abate and we go out and do goods and services. Yeah. But I don't know if you out there have tried to book a vacation, but it's not as easy as it sounds, right? Yeah. So as inventory to sales ratios are reaching all-time lows, uh, people are still buying goods because if you go on Airbnb, a lot of people are priced out of it, these exorbitant cleaning fees. You look at the airlines right now. What was it? Uh, American, we talked about just last show and also in the newsletter yeah, here. They canceled like, 120 flights on Saturday. Moving forward, like, they're canceling 80 flights a day yeah, in July. Yeah, yeah, They're not the only airline that's doing this either. No, because, I mean, it's not just them. It's the employees at the, uh, you know, at the servicing uh, airports. 
Oh, absolutely. That are they're hitting that type of stuff. You know, yeah, and it's crazy. they were talking about this in Lars Jensen. He was like one of the reasons that it's been so hard to predict and so hard to freight forecast is there's just no data that exists here. And then a lot of it does is this garbage data we keep seeing people calling to, which is like year over year stuff from last year. Oh, you can't do Which that. is anomalous. Like, stop talking about freight rates being up X amount from last year. I mean, that's a it's an anomalous market. It doesn't really tell you that much. It doesn't tell you that much, except that, man, they're really high because last year was super, super. Well, yeah. You got to look back to you got to look back to nineteen and and eighteen. Well, a lot of parts of eighteen, but there was anomalous there in eighteen as well. Yeah, I haven't heard that broker. Uh, I haven't heard that broker uh, fight the, the stop the tires in a while. No one's stopping yeah, their no tires. Yeah, no one's stopping when the tires three over low rates right now, are they? No, they're not. These rates, you're paying me way too much. I'm sitting out. Prime you day, stop paying me less. Prime day, pretty big <laughs> deal, right? Prime day uh, yeah. talked about there into Amazon waste. A doc, a leaked document from an ex employee came out from Amazon's Dumb Firm Line Scotland warehouse, where they are destroying. Um, uh, in the document, they had one hundred twenty-four thousand items a week marked to be destroyed. The employee said there's 130,000 items a week that they're going everything from iPads to COVID. And this is a reverse logistics it's a, problem. It's a, it's a target yeah. that they have. So this is such an issue that they have a target yeah. to destroy 130,000 a week. Yeah, So, but here's the thing. So when you are importing goods, right, and Amazon yeah. acts as their own importer, their own consignee sure. on a lot of the stuff, sure. they also do a lot of importing on people's behalf. What happens is you pay your duties, right? You pay your That's duties, right. all the stuff's in the warehouse. Well, at yeah. a certain point, it becomes a loss, right? It's been returned, it's been damaged, you can't sell it, it's gone out of season, whatever the reason may be. You can then destroy, you can either export those items or you can destroy them. And when you destroy them, you can get 99% of your duties back. Now, this can be a significant amount of duties. Some of these items, especially clothing, have over 20% tariffs on them. Yeah. So companies like when I worked at FedEx, we had a high, one of my clients, I wouldn't name them, but the high-end handbag company, which they had invoice values of like $10,000 to $30,000 a handbag. Uh, on the rack value of, you could probably figure out the company, you're talking about thirty to $100,000 yeah, yeah, handbags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be like this handbag inferno four times a year, so they could, and they would have these uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars duty drawback claims. Yeah. They were doing because they want to control their inventory. They don't want that stuff ending up in TJ Maxx because then they can't sell that handbag yeah, yeah, for $25,000. Yeah, they don't want it at the, at the local uh, outlet mall. So you set them on fire. So here's the thing. How do you solve this problem? What I would say you do from my knowledge, a duty drawback because you can't recycle goods. You're not incentivized to recycle them. You can't take them and recycle them. Incentivize importers to recycle this stuff so at least if they get rid of it, they can donate or recycle it and still get their duties back. You don't let them do that right now. Make an act of Congress, but nobody fights for it because not that many people know about duty drawback. But I'm telling you, this would be a great solution. Yeah, it would be a great solution, and that's exactly what hit me. I'm so glad that you highlighted that because that's what hit me as well as the main thing in this. The 130000 target was was enough. Yeah. But then... Why aren't, why aren't the duty drawback on recycling these stuff? Why don't you get 99%? Because you're just going to kill stuff. I know. If you're trying to get your duties down, right, or get the money back, returning it is a cost, which kills some of that 99%. Get 100% of that 99% back, burn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and here's the thing. like it, it, You... You can put regulation there that they can't go and sell or make money on the recycling or any yeah, of that stuff. It has sure. to be a pure donation. It has to be a pure recycling. Then you get sure. 99% of your duties back. Yeah, you got to donate it to recycling. Prove it's recycled. Boom, we'll give you One other point. Start talking about waste. So I don't know if you've ever gotten anything shipped to you by Amazon by accident. I, yeah, have I did. Not. Actually, I did this past year. And they, they usually don't want you to send it back, right? No, no like, they told me to keep, keep it. it. Well, what happens if you're Jillian Cannon of Buffalo, New York, and you get 150 <laughs> boxes on pallets of mass support, face mass support <laughs> beams? What happens then? Well, she called Amazon. She, they said, nope, it's your problem. They, they shipped you. She's like, I didn't order these things. And they said, that doesn't matter. 
It's possession nine tenths of lots on your property. And um, she's like, Oh, we screwed up. You now own it. They we wouldn't can't do anything. She was like, Can you just come and take this stuff and donate it? Amazon's like, We don't donate it. You can't get any drawback for that. Right? So they're like, You keep it. So fortunately, Jillian, let's highlight you. She took all these masks and she brought them to local children's hospital, is making face masks with the kids, bringing coloring out of her own pocket. Little Cal yeah. Bell for you. We're back Friday with NASA, man, on this show, talking space shuttles, talking lifting big rockets, all stuff. Thanks for joining us today. Bye, on Twitter at Timothy Dune. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find them on Vince the Dude. Subscribe to What the Truck wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell them how to be on this Wednesday. Ooh, peace and love, everyone. Spread it everywhere.